Yeah. All right. Ladies and gentlemen, we are back in the 2019, baby. First podcast of 2019. Ladies and gentlemen, this remains Stakes is High. The Black Nerd, Nerd podcast. podcast. Y'all know what it is. It's still Troll Hunter, a.k.a. all at Tall Black Gun, all the Twitters and things, not the Tumblers anymore. I'm kind of off that, but whatever's. Really? Yeah. You're off? Okay. I'm well, off Tumblr. Yeah. It's your boy, Doc Midnight. Uh, I'm at Doc Midnight on Twitter. I am. At Dread October, well, I should be at Dread October. I really had to maybe just make that a thing, but I don't know what the hell I would do it at Dread October. I have no idea. You got it. well, it's your boy Terry Gant. We'll I am here. See, see if it's on. See if it's, see if it's right, available. See if it's out there. See if it's available. <laughs> <laughs> I'll figure out a use for it. You know, <laughs> one of my fantasy baseball team. You know, I figure it out. Ladies and gentlemen, we are here. We are back. We are in the spot, and we got things to talk to you about. And and it's a, it's a new year. But it's the same us. Same us. But we're, we're, we're grown and, and more older, mature, something. Well, we're yeah. actually the same age because neither of us have birthdays recently. Not the year changed. The year did change. But our birthdays haven't arrived. But every day is a day old. Okay. I guess that's true. Seems kind of pessimistic, but whatever. Hey. I'm good. Anyway. Let's do this. All right. We'll start off. We're going to start off. We're going to start like like you know we are with stuff that we like. But... We don't, we have a, it's not a controversy. Well, you made a controversial, <laughs> contrarian ass statement, and let's get right to it. Okay. So, things that we like in movies. We, everybody loves uh, the Spider Man movie, Into the Spider Verse. Everybody digs it. Everybody's feeling it. I know people who've seen it five, six times. That's great. Go see this movie. Spider Verse is great. Go see it. Go check it out. It's awesome. Um, I did like it. I did have an issue with it, and I think that the reason I have an issue with it is a lot of people, like, you go see a movie, and it, as long as it involves Marvel characters, people just jump up and down, and they're really fucking happy, right? Right. But my issue is, there is, there's things that happen in this movie that run counter to the actual message that is, is sort of through the core of Spider-Man. That's where I had an issue. It, like, in the movie, so Miles is just figuring out his whole spider shit, right? right. He just figured it out. He knows he's got some powers. He's, he's got some shit going on, and every time he's trying to resolve stuff and help the other spider dudes all do a thing, they're like, Miles, you can't, if you can't turn invisible right now, you can't venom shock me right now, you can't do a web thing right now, you're not ready and you need to stay home and stay out of it. Let us handle the thing. Even at the point in which they know that in order to resolve the plot of the thing, what they have to do is someone has to flip a switch, sending everybody back to their own universes, and someone's going to have to stay here in this universe, and if it's not Miles... Whoever does that's gonna die. Right, right. This is what I had a problem with. Spider-Man, the core of Spider-Man, all of it, is Spider-Man doesn't need to be ready to do a thing. Right. Spider-Man must be ready to do, do a thing. thing. Yeah. It doesn't matter what the thing is, and it doesn't matter how ready he is, he's got to do it because nobody else can. Yeah. This is what Spider-Man is all about. Okay. Spider-Man can't be if you tell Spider-Man you're not ready. Spider-Man has learned. It doesn't matter if I'm ready. I have to do it anyway. Yeah. Right? He has to do that. So when Peter Parker right. is telling Miles Morales, stay home, you're not ready, that bothered me. But you counter that with his message as it was, there's a scene where they're swinging through. Mm-hmm. He says, there's no better way to learn than crippling than when it's absolutely necessary to learn it. So I get what you say, but at some point, Peter actually does say, there's no better place to learn than when you have to do it. Yeah. It doesn't get that. referenced. E- it doesn't. Re- maybe if it was referenced later. After they spend an entire movie kicking this dude all up and down his ass, telling him, impress me now. No, that was before. Mm-mm, mm-mm. Mm-hmm. 
Mm. Either way, if, if Peter tells him this before Bef- all yes. these tests of Miles, yes, right, then it then my point stands even more, right? Because you don't, you would no spider person would ever tell another spider. They've all been through the same shit. Yeah. No matter what universe they've all been in, they've all lost their form of Uncle Ben or somebody. You know, right, right. someone that, on to, that level, they've, they've had to learn has happened because they didn't act when they needed to because they didn't think they were ready or they didn't think it was their responsibility to do so. Right? Every one of them has been through this, so you can't say to him, "I'm sorry, man. Look, uh, I, I had you. I asked you to do one flip. You didn't do the flip. Now you got to stay home." You know, that's not how it works, right? Now, it worked out in the end. The movie was still great. But I feel like instead of what they did is they took that Avengers route of, like, we're training you, but you suck, so you ain't ready. Instead of taking the Spider-Man route of, it doesn't matter if you suck, let's go do this, right? Okay. That's the way that's supposed to work. That's the way it works in the world of Spider-Man. Okay. Right? So since, to me, the fan doesn't seem to care. Right? So it doesn't actually make all that much of a difference. The fan accepts what they're given, and as long as what they were given was entertaining and the story did hit home, which it did, then all I'm saying is it it, it missed a major Spider-Man beat, right? Okay. But okay. they just twisted it into something else, and it still worked out. You know, you didn't use my grandmother's recipe for pound cake. You just still made a pound cake. <laughs> now, whatever. You know, you used somebody's recipe, you know. And I but still it, it. Yeah, it still came out. So... People have seen it four or five times, which means they like it, which is all that actually matters, right? My issues with any of these movies a lot of times aren't everybody else's issues. It's just the issues I had, right? Okay. So I accept that this is the film that got made. The soundtrack was dope. I, I loved everything about, like, um, the way they gave Miles Morales, they, the, the way they portrayed his world, like the, the, his own interpersonal issues with his family and all that. I love the way they portrayed it with his uncle. I love the way they portrayed it with his dad. I, I caught all that and, like, it didn't have to be who's his Aunt May. Like, none of that needed to happen. Because yeah. all the other Spider stuff is, it's all like, um, universe by universe, it's slightly different, right? Yeah. So right. this is the way his world works. Right. And I was okay with that. I was okay with all of it. I'm not sure I like their version of Kingpin. Their version of Kingpin was a little Dr. Doomy for me, <laughs> right? Like, he was a little bit like, he was so intent on getting his wife and kid back. He's built a machine that fishes interdimensionally to, to find the most probable wife and kid for him, to bring them into his universe, and then they'll automatically love him. That was some delusional that Dr. Doom ass shit. Yeah, it was. That's not a Kingpin thing, but whatever. If, if Kingpin it was in an universe, emotion, but it was an emotional thing. I'm evil Lex Luthor, then he's not. Like he's not. That's not who he is. Like he ain't. He ain't building a big. What he's going to say is. I'm going to come up with a way to get my wife to come back here. Even if I had to kill everybody around her, so there's no place else for her to go but come back to me. But he ain't building an interdimensional fucking Fisher-Price rod and reel to get her back. Like, that's not a thing. Like, okay. Shout out to female Doc Ock. Shout out to that. I didn't, cool. I didn't cool. see that Great. shit coming at all. Great. Like, oh. Yep. Oh. Yeah. I bet. Let's go. That's the kind of thing, like, if you're reading, if you're a Marvel Comics fan and or you, you think you want to come back to Marvel but you want things like this, the kind of things that happen in Spider-Verse um, are the sorts of things that Marvel's been trying to give you in terms of character development, character creation, different sorts of characters and new twists on them. They've been trying to do this for maybe like the last four years or so at a high level. Like they've been, they've been throwing these characters at you. And if you've slept on a lot of them, and a lot of people have, um, this might be the time to check out some of what Marvel's got going on. If you like the new Doc Ock, right, then there are other characters. If you want characters like that, you, if you want more of that sort of like... Give me a, a cool modern ass take 
on, on an old school thing, mm-hmm. you might want to check out what Marvel's got going on right now because there's a whole lot of like, they have so much interesting legacy character shit going on that I actually find it to be like, what they've done is sort of what DC did in the early 90s and the late 80s. They're really, DC was the perfect company for this because they basically were willing to say, um, people have read enough of what we had going on. We, who else is out there that could be reading something? Who are we missing? Okay. You know, who's going to be that people? Who's going to be buying our comics for the next 5, 10, 15 years? How do we get them in? What sorts of characters do they want to see? Let's twist some things a little bit, right? DC was doing this all the time. Marvel would pretty much refuse to do it, like at least on a permanent level, or at least not for permanent, what's, for what's considered permanent in comics, at least, right. you know? Like Marvel would just shy away from it. But now, they're kind of embracing it over the last like four years. And you don't have to like, things don't have to be like stupid shit like Captain America's a Hydra agent, but like, Characters like just just the, uh, Kamala Khan, Squirrel Girl, the new Wasp. You know, there's like so many of these characters who are out there. Like the Champions book is full of them, right? right? Like if yeah, yeah. not like most of the main characters are back in their main books. You can still read West Coast Avengers for Kate Bishop Hawkeye. You can still read the Champions comic. There's so many books that they have that you can still get these cool new versions of these characters, including like Gwen Stacy as Spider Woman, like or Ghost That's Spiders, what they're calling her right now. Okay. You know? So like they they're not calling her Spider Woman probably because somebody's got a plan to actually use Jessica Drew Spider Woman. So there's there's a lot of that out there. Marvel's got you if you want like new versions of these characters. This if you like that Doc Ock character there. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So I I enjoyed. You know, some I, I get Kingpin was mostly let me sit back. You know, I'm not really involved in doing stuff. I'm having people do my do my dirty work. Um, you know, he does kill a guy, so there's that. Yeah. Um, but I I, I enjoyed actually the um, and you kind of expect this in animation, but to have the split panels, to have thing, you know, to have the the you know the the whip. You you yeah. have the honor sure honor Pia. In the you know, giving you that homage to comics, like sure, I'm giving you the sound. Of they this weren't game. they weren't pretending that comics didn't exist. This is like other Marvel movies, um, pretty much ignore the fact that comic books are a thing. <laughs> and Into the Spider Verse, and part of it is like it was animated, so like you could do that kind of stuff. You there, totally could, right? And get away so, with so it. So they like, really homage. It. Yeah, it, they hadn't done it since like Ang Lee's Hulk, right? <laughs> they really hadn't bothered to acknowledge that comics were ever a thing. And here they basically created a comic book, animated the shit out of it. They they changed styles up. They they it was a total like like uh, uh, it was a it was a mashup in a way. Like they did a good job at making you understand that the source material mattered and making you understand that this isn't the source material at the same time. Yeah. So I dug that. So I was I, I, I felt it. I, I watched it once. Let us also let us let us uh, compare that to a joint I didn't see. My wife did Aquaman, which apparently made a shit ton of money. Made a lot of money. And I have absolutely no desire to see it whatsoever. Um, I haven't seen it, but I do have a desire to see it. I love Aquaman. I think Aquaman's a great character. I like the the direction that Warner Brothers took with the with Jason Momoa as Aquaman. Not because I mean casting Jason Momoa is a good move, but like I mean, I find that they used the right inspiration for that character. They used '90s Aquaman, right, for the most part, because they used the the Arthur Curry of the Peter David run. They used that era in which he's like he's a grittier Aquaman, but at the same time. There's enough shit that's happened to him that he's not the Aquaman everybody likes to make fun of, right? When you're making fun of Aquaman, you haven't paid attention to Aquaman, right? Aquaman has been an interesting-ass character 
for, I don't know, since like the early 80s for the most part. Like prior to that point, he was interesting because anybody else was in DC. Like if you were if you were a Batman fan in the seventies, you were reading Detective Batman. If you were a Superman fan in the seventies, you were reading like cosmic ass Superman, right? But if you were reading any other character they had in the seventies at DC, you were basically reading standard Silver Age comics. And Aquaman's were no worse and no better than anybody else's. But if you were still around by the time the nineties happened, Aquaman was pretty fucking interesting and had all kinds of shit going on in his comics and wasn't the dude you make the jokes about and really <laughs> hadn't been a dude you make the jokes about for some time. So, you know. I'm fine with it. Okay. Like, my, my wife loved it, but that was mostly, you know, just like a lot of people I suspect who went to go see it for the Jason Momoa-ness, whatever. No, I was sick as a dog throughout the holidays, so, like, I pretty much was not trying to be in movie theaters making, <laughs> you know, spreading my vectors, you know. I ain't trying to be that monkey in Outbreak, you know. <laughs> Patient zero? I ain't, nope, don't need that. Let me just stay on this couch. That's pretty much what I did. <laughs> You're welcome, everybody. You're welcome, America. I'm smart enough to stay home when I'm sick. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Anyway, but yeah, um, really enjoyed the movie. I only saw it once. Um, that would be, I think, I would probably make the statement that probably one of the best origin stories that Marvels come out with. Like, hey, this is a character, and this is what he's, this is what he's about. This is how he came to be. Probably one of the best in since probably in terms of introducing, in terms of this is what made this per- made this character probably than Iron Man. Iron Man, which gave you like this is, this is a billionaire dick. This is a billionaire dick thrown in some shit of his own making. This is how he figures out he needs to do better. I think the, the Miles Morales origin story, and say so with all the interplay with his parent, with his parents, well, his dad particularly, um, with his uncle, um, coming to terms with oh, I have to do this thing, and now I can do these weird things, and hey, there's other people just like me, and. Even though I've never met this part, Peter Parker, I need to, you know, somebody has to be this. Let me step up. Um, and his thing of, I don't want to be, says, well, you have no choice. Um, I did appreciate that. And I, like I said, I think that this was a, a great origin story that I was actually interested in. And as opposed to other origin stories that Marvel's given me, I, am, I've, I was more entertained. I was more invested. Um, and it's... Part of it's the character, but part of it is also how it's literally the character. I think you're just describing Spider-Man. Like what you've just said is you like Spider-Man more than other Marvel characters because everything they just gave you, nothing was changed from Miles Morales. No. They literally just gave you Spider-Man, right? Everything that you just described is well, why Spider-Man's cool, right? It's why Spider-Man matters to people. You just described why people love Spider-Man, right? You didn't describe anything that is inherent to Miles Morales. You simply described Spider-Man, right? That's what you accidentally just did. Yeah, so Iron Man, the Iron Man movie gave you a better insight into what Iron Man the character was about. Tony Stark, Robert Downey Jr. playing that. He played a very good Tony Stark in movie number one. And they spent a lot of time building up what would make him a hero by the end of that movie. Yes. This is very similar in that the entire movie is, is about building up to Miles Morales being ready to take that role. It is very similar to Iron Man number one. The other Marvel movies didn't exactly have to go that far because by halfway through the movie, dude was ready. Captain America was ready, right? Like, Thor was ready. The fucking Avengers just showed up together and was like, let's do this, Avengers. Ha-ha, we got that shit. There was no, man, we done went through a whole damn movie and we ain't done shit right, right? <laughs> By halfway through. But Iron Man, it was the whole damn movie. Of him figuring that shit out. Right. And at the end, you think, oh, he's going to keep that a secret because you can't trust the man. He's like, fuck keeping it a secret. I'm Iron Man, y'all. <laughs> right? Like, they did that pretty much. They Peter Parkered Iron Man there. Right? <laughs> what you just described about how he, how, how Miles Morales has got to figure Morales thing out and balance his family. I know, I know. 
You just described the entire reason people love Peter Parker. You have just given. That's all they did. All they did, man, they rubbed the serial numbers off. They rubbed off the nah. serial numbers, and then they went into the alleys, and they was like, yo, bro, we got that Spider-Man for you. We got that Spider-Man. And everybody's like, word? That don't look like Spider-Man. Just, just taste it. Just taste it. Oh, shit. That's that Spider-Man. All right, I'm down. You got more with it? Y'all got any more of them there? Spider-Verses? You know? That's what you did. You know? That speaks to the brilliance of what's, what Peter Parker as Spider-Man is. To take that thing, twist it on its ear, and apply it to five other characters, right, in the same movie, says that some things are just timeless, right? Superman's origin is timeless. Batman's origin is timeless. Peter Parker's origin is timeless, right? So that's all that is, right? Miles is a cool character for the 21st century, absolutely. He's a necessary character for the 21st century, and they were smart enough to not mess with any of that because it already works. Already works. Yeah. You know? But in particular, the stuff that he had was different from Peter Parker, which was more of the endearing stuff for me. He was it like we we get he's a kid in New York. Peter Parker wasn't a kid. Peter Parker was a kid. Well, at some 100%. point he was a kid. In fact, he was a high school kid. Yes. Name something else. Continue. <laughs> was Peter Parker black though? Was uh-huh. he was he Latino? Shout out to my Latino <laughs> cats. Rub off the serial numbers. Nah. Yes, but yes. Those serial numbers. That, that serial number is important for representation. All that other stuff. Not, not gonna deny that. Not gonna deny it at all. Nope. Not gonna deny it. Absolutely true. And you couldn't have in 1964. You couldn't have given Peter Parker what Miles Morales had. No. Right. It had to come up to the year 2000 or so, or really 2005, whenever it was that they created Miles. Like, you, you, it had to come that far, right, for Brian Michael Bendis to be like, I know what this needs. Right, like you know what I'm saying. Like it okay. had to come far enough for him to be able to, to to see it and go, "I got it. I know what to do next." So Peter Parker in the Ultimate Universe dies. Miles Morales steps up because that's because they were they had two Spider-Man for a while. Right, and then Pete dies, and then Miles Morales is the dude. Right, and then you get to explore that thing in a 21st century context. And Brian Michael Bendis did that shit awesomely. Yeah. Yep. Not gonna deny it. Okay. All right. Long, long as denial is not happening. Nope. All right. Let's let's keep it moving. Let's All right. Keep, keep it moving. moving. Um, you have music. Music. Um, this year is the 80th anniversary of Blue Note Records. Um, Blue Note is going to milk this to the end of fucking time, but I don't mind. Um, they need to. Hey, you know. Um, and it occurs to me at some points that I'm actually listening to music that at this point is 50, 50 is 40, 50 years old, but it's just so good, and I just keep listening to it. Um, and the fact that it's been used so much and in other music I love. Um, via sampling, all the yeah. rest of that stuff, um, mixes and that kind of thing, instrumentals. Now, because now we're getting to a kind of a, a instrumental kind of hip-hop kind of thing where we're just putting together beats and just doing stuff. Like my man, Star Child Luke, holla at your boy. <laughs> yes, making Luke beats. putting together nice beats. Yes, we're putting together beats <laughs> that are influenced by, yeah, yeah. influenced by this music. So this year is Blue Note's 80th anniversary. Um, they got more box sets, more vinyl, all that good stuff. So I'm trying uh, not to cop a whole lot. Do you have a turntable at home, Troy? I sure do. It works? Yep. All right. And it is USB enabled so I can record directly to my machine. And what we're getting at here is I'm going to Troy's house. We're just going to put records on and just we're going to chill. We can do that. Because we got a snifters. We can do it. I got and, that. And, all right. All right. I got That's that. It's a plan. All right. What you doing Sunday? Right. <laughs> Let me pull up the calendar. 
the shared calendar. <laughs> we'll, we'll, we'll work this we'll out. We'll do that. We'll work I this got out. that. We can go, we'll go down to the basement. I got that. We got right. it's, it's upstairs in the studio. Oh, oh okay. Oh. Uh-oh. Uh, mm, mm, holla. Crates. Holla. We're going to do some crate digging. I got crates. He, uh, Troy got crates. I got crates. Shout out to my <laughs> man Donnie, too. Ain't listening. But that's my man. That's my that's my, uh, my partner in vinyl digging. Yo, we out here. We, yo, we going we'll up. we bring some metal vinyl. R.I.P. Dr. Wax. But, you know, High Park Records are still doing the thing. Shout out to Dusty Groove. Go see if they got any Iron Maiden on vinyl. I'm going to bring it through. They got that. They got rock. They have rock at High Park Records. Excellent. They have a rock and a metal section, actually. Every time I come through your crib, I'm going to stop by there and pick up a couple records and then come through and make noise. It's going to be great. I got, I got right. speakers. And it's on one side of the house, so like my wife can be over here and I'm up here. Excellent. So whatever. Sounds like a great idea. We, right. can, we can rock this. Anyway, but yes, um, Blue Runs going to be is, is because of the, the move to instrumentals and, and, and kind of finding, you know, people still finding, you know, still going through old uh, stuff and just... Finding a, a groove, finding a loop, finding a beat, and just doing something with it, and it's just it's it's a perfect it's musicianship. People keep yelling about you know oh musicianship is bad. There's always going to be musicianship. It just may not be people playing instruments. I think musicianship also like a lot of that complaint about musicianship when it comes to music like hip hop or something is is it's a bit like I don't know it's like talking out of one side of your neck. Like musicianship will always be there if somebody's willing to hire musicians. Right, so like I don't have a problem with people finding awesome instrumental loops or ways to uh, make beats out of like things that people just forgot. Right, I'm, I'm okay with folks doing it. In fact, that takes a lot of effort and a lot of talent to find to, to put yes. it together and do it right. When it comes to like people discussing whatever happened to musicians, the question becomes: What? When was the last time you did something musically that involved musicians? Right, it's not like they're not out there. They're right? out there. Every I go outside that door right now, and I can find somebody who plays guitar, bass, or drums without throwing a rock over my shoulder. Right, the people, musicians are out there. Right, you go to a place, and there's musicians playing. And everybody goes, "Oh man, see that's music right there. These cats can really play." Great. The next event you have at your job, hire these dudes. Right, it is on you to make sure these musicians have places to be and gigs to do, so that people can see live music. Right? Don't be lamenting like, oh man, whatever happened to the good music? Motherfucker, somebody playing it right now. You go hire their ass. Right? You want to hear horns? Hire a horn dude. Go get 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 somebody with horns to come and play your next party. Go come play your next work event or whatever the hell. Or you could just get somebody with a you know laptop to just come there and play hey ya for you. I mean, what you bitching about? You know, I'm putting that right firmly back on everybody who's ever done any damn thing in which some dude played hey ya. All y'all fucked up. There. Truth. Continue. Music. <laughs> I don't. I don't know. That I have a lot of like good music shit like lately. I because the new, when the new year happened, I decided I had to do something a little different, right? I, I've been doing like um, towards the end of the year, I listened to so much Haken and Leprous and those bands because I knew I wanted to see them live that it became like the Haken and Leprous show for like a good two months, right? <laughs> <coughs> and then. After that happened, I was just so obsessed with how much I loved that show <laughs> that I just kept listening to them. In fact, I was listening to them in concert order. But once the new year happened, I decided I won't do that now. Let me see if Spotify has been paying uh, attention and what Spotify wants to give me is like things I listen to, I've been listening to. Okay. Which actually like got me to now listen to a whole lot of kind of like old school thrash bands from like, you know, bands that became popular in the 80s, but who are still playing. So like a lot of like uh, um, recent Anthrax and old Anthrax and recent Death Angel and old Death Angel and 
I saw the band called Violence. That that um, there's this band called Machine Head, um, uh, led by a dude named Rob Flynn. And up until recently, Phil Dimmel was the uh, other lead guitar player. And Phil Dimmel and Rob Flynn were both in a band called Violence in San Francisco in the '80s. And Violence is getting back together to do like a like an anniversary show for like what maybe like their first album or something. Because their lead singer had um, like a some kind of advanced form, like a hereditary genetic advanced form of um, cirrhosis of the liver. So he was when they did an anniversary show like a couple years ago, he couldn't he couldn't sing for them because he just his health wasn't up to doing the show. Right. But now his health is up to doing the show. Okay. So everybody in Violence except Rob Flynn because he's I guess Machine Head. Might I don't know if they're they're not touring anymore because Phil Dimmel left uh, Machine Head after their last tour. But maybe they're writing. I don't know what they're doing, but Rob Flynn's not doing it. But everybody else from the band is getting back together. And they were like a great thrash band, like 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 fast-paced beats and, and um, time changes. They weren't like, like, they weren't like a math band. They weren't like blowing your face off time changes, but good grooves and like amazing solo work. But they just never were a popular or famous band. If you like thrash, you might like violence. But if you were like just like an Iron Maiden level, like a, a passing metalhead, this wouldn't work for you, okay. right? You would have like... Other bands that like were of that era because they were like kind of a second wave band like Death Angel. I mean, uh, uh, yeah, like Death Angel was. But like the fact that they're doing this show, I was like, oh, that's really fucking cool. I just ain't gonna get to San Francisco to be able to. See. I would love to see something like that. Right. So once that was that was one of those things that was like, oh shit, violence is getting back together to do a show. That's pretty cool. What else from that era do I remember? And then okay. I just let Spotify kind of just throw right. some thrash at me, right. and it's been kind of nice. Just hearing some old school, really shitty production, right? <laughs> and it's just fast and furious ass metal. And it's like, oh man, that's not bad at all. What the hell? Let me get on a treadmill and listen to some of this shit. And that's kind of what I've been doing. So I haven't really discovered anything. I haven't discovered too much in the way of like new bands, um, specifically because I'm avoiding like new bands, newish bands that I discovered while being in that binge I was in this fall, right? So, okay. If you, because people I know were like, oh man, if you dig Leprous, check these guys out. And I was like, oh man, but I do dig Leprous. So I don't want to check those guys out now because I'm going to be listening to Leprous again. Right? Okay. So I'm going a little more old school. <laughs> it's, it's funny how your brain works. Yes. It will because I know this is where it's going to lead to. I'm going to listen to, um, um, I'm going to listen to this one. There's a band called Agent Fresco, right? That uh, some, a recent new, new friend of mine, Leah, uh, she was like, hey, um, if you if you like Leprous, check out Agent Fresco. And I did. And they weren't, they were, I could see where somebody might say they were kind of like Leprous, but they kind of weren't. And because I wanted Leprous so bad, I listened to like three or four tracks from Agent Fresco and was like, what's Leprous doing right now, right? Like, <laughs> it's like you were dating this chick and you're trying to get away from her and you're trying to get her out of your head. And then you see this other chick, and you know, like, well, that's not the same chick. All right, I'll go kick it with her for a little bit. And you're like, no, but something just ain't. Mm. Hey, what's yeah. up, girl? You know, like <laughs> let me see this text real quick. <laughs> you up? You know <laughs> what you doing? <laughs> it was kind of like that. So I don't want that to be the way I'm doing things. So I'm trying to like, you know, let me let me go a little bit more old school and then see what can inspire me from there. And if something hits me, then it hits me. But like, like I'm enjoying getting back into old school shit again. Okay, that's kind of cool. You know, outside of that, uh, Circus Maximus, I've been listening to a lot. But that's again stuff that I've discovered or got really into like in the fall. That like I, I don't want to like get back into that thing because now we're back in we're in 2019. So I'm waiting for like some cats to like you know do some new releases or something. And if I get any new releases, there's some bands that should be dropping stuff fairly soon. Dream Theater has a new album coming out uh, pretty soon, um, and I'm so excited about that. I've already got concert tickets. I've got tickets to their show in in March. So like I'm ready for this new album. 
Because a lot of people really bitched about the last Dream Theater album, and I didn't. I, I liked it. The last Dream Theater album was called The Astonishing, and it was like a whole like operatic ass concept album. It was all sci-fi and Lord of the Rings and shit. But at least it was supposed to be. But really, it was kind of mellow opera, right? In a way, and a lot of people weren't ready for that, right? So I'm ready for them to get back into just playing some cool ass fucking prog metal that I can really fucking get into. And and so I'm not even like I'm not even looking for like like like. YouTube videos or like YouTube links or like like uh, leaked songs and shit like that. I'm just waiting. They're gonna drop it. I'll cop it when that happens, and then I will just binge the shit out of that <laughs> right in advance of this show. Right, right. But it's also got me looking to see who else is coming. Right. Because if bands that I like are coming, it makes me think, aha, maybe there's some new shit they're touring behind, and then I'll check that out. Like I, I think Queensrÿche is coming, and that makes me think, okay, the, the, this current incarnation of Queensrÿche. Um, with a new singer, most recent singer, Tyler Tor, and they got a, a fill-in drummer because Scott Rockenfield hasn't toured with them over the like over that last like, uh, album cycle. Then he just had a kid, so he's basically just doing the stay-at-home with the wife and kid thing, which is, I can respect that. So somebody else has been drumming for them. Um, so I'm expecting a new album from them, and that'll probably that's what I'm looking forward to at least. And every so often, I just keep checking who's coming to town. Let me see if there's a new album out there for them. And then like there's um, there is oh I did discover a new thing. Um, the band Evergrey has a new album out, and I listened to a, a couple tracks from it over the weekend that were really solid. And Evergrey, I don't know if I, I don't, I, I listened to Evergrey like in the mid two thousands, and really enjoyed one release from them, and then they made another one that was like, you know, just depressing as fuck. And I just was like, oh man, I don't want to. It's about some dude whose wife died in a car crash or something, and it was just the whole album was just sad. And I was like, I don't metal shouldn't make me sad, bro. <laughs> I, nah, I ain't, I'm not doing that. I'm not going. I'm, nope. Don't be trying to make metal me feel my feelings. Make me sad. No, metal should never make you sad. I'm out. You know, I just I nope right out of that. But then uh, I discovered a band called Redemption, which has Evergrey singer singing on their last album. He did a really good job. There's one song on that album that could just fuck itself, right? You know, and, and I'll never have to. I'll never play it. But like, you know, everything else on that album is really good, which got me thinking about Evergrey again. They did just drop a new album. And I really enjoyed what I heard from that, you know. So if they come to town, that'd be some like you know Swedish death metal that I fucking melodic death metal that I get into. But you know, whatever. Cool. Well. <laughs> <laughs> Troy, if, if the tickets for Dream Theater weren't like eighty five dollars at the Chicago nah. Theater, I'd take you to a show. <laughs> well, tickets for Anderson Pack are forty, and no, and where at the brawl room? Yeah. Oh, and you still not? You're, it's, you're I mean, it's, it's the last of February. I don't know if I'm around. Oh, okay, gotcha. So right, it's, right. it's a scheduling thing. Otherwise, I'd love to see him in, in, in okay. concert. I think that shit. And he plays. He plays drums, right. and he sings at the same time. Right. Does his thing. So it's not just. So he has a band, the whole shit. Yeah. Um, I've heard the show's great, um, but it's February, and usually we're at, we're at that time in the year where I go to work, yeah. I go home. Yeah, I go to work, and I go home. Fuck the rest of it. Like I'm done. Like. I've, you, you've had enough no sun. You need you need, I, you need sunlight to make you happy. I need, I, you know, I'm solar and powered. You're solely not gonna get it. You're I'm not solar powered, get it and I'm just I'm just yeah gonna, yeah. I would love I would love like if he showed up in like May June. Yeah, all over. It. Sure, all over. It. But yeah, um, but yeah, live music live music is, is an antidote to some shit. But just not in the months of January and February. Right. For me anyway. Um. Hey, right. what comics you got? 
So let's talk about the article you linked. Okay. All right, let's do this. On the Stakes is High podcast uh, thing, there is an article we posted um, from a retailer right. um, with some points about how to make the comic book shop more viable. Right. And you got some thoughts. Yeah. Now, Troy posted the article, at the, but he posted it. And I, really, I knew he posted it, but I hadn't really like paid too much attention to it. I was like, I'm going to get around to that. But then I ended up in a discussion uh, last week, an argument with some Comics Gator morons um, about the, the industry. Because the Comics Gator morons believe that the push towards diversity and, and in both like the creative teams and in characters in, in comics, particularly at Marvel Comics, is a reason why comic shops close. Right. right. This is the reason, in fact, that the, the particular jackass who doesn't know his ass from his elbows, um, the reason he was saying that, uh, that 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 comic shops are in trouble is this is the reason, right? Which too, is it's not too true. many brown people, too many brown people, too many gay people, too many women, you know, this whole thing, right? Too many gay characters, brown characters, black characters, you know, Asian not characters, enough white men, not enough white men. If if the white if the white characters came back to being, you know. If Thor was a dude again, if Captain America were a white dude, if Hawkeye were just a white dude, if all if Iron Man could be a white dude, if it wasn't a black chick, if all this was the case, then people would be reading Marvel Comics again, their sales would go up, and Marvel Comics would be saved, and all these comic shops wouldn't be closing. Okay, this is patently untrue. All right? It's a bold-faced lie. And here's why this is. When, when people out there tell you that comic books, the, the comic book industry as a whole is suffering because of diversity... If these, if diversity weren't the, if diversity in politics weren't the focus of Marvel and DC Comics, then everything would be fine. They're they're talking out of their ass because comic books have a always been political, right? When Superman was created, he smacked around like people who wanted to break up unions and, and evil landlords and shit, right? Like there's never there's not been a point in in the history of comics where comics at their core have not been political. The best comics are political comics, right? Everything that is ever considered to be a classic in comics is political. The Joker as a character has a political point of view. Even as an anarchist, that's a political view, right? So you can't you can't be the kind of person that says, well, no one is buying Thor as a woman. That's just a bridge too far. That's ruining comics. It's ruining comic shops. Everybody's losing their shirts. Because when Thor was a dude, again, when Tony Stark became Iron Man, again, when Captain America was neither a Hydra agent nor a black guy, when Iron Man was, was, was just Iron Man, when, when Hawkeye, when Clint Barton got to be Hawkeye, and he's a white guy being Hawkeye, when all of these things happened, those people didn't come back to buy comics, right? If your issue is that the diversity in comics and the politics in comics are killing comics, then when you get your white dude back, you'd have your three ninety nine in hand and you'd be buying the shit. But you ain't buying the shit because you was never about shit. You're just talking shit. So you're full of shit. That isn't how this works. This isn't also what's killing comic shops because in the article that Troy posted, my man who has a comic shop, and I'm not seeing, I, I'm sure it says where Coliseum of Comics is. He's outlined some really good points, right? He states things like, at a certain point in time in his comic shop, um, because of when comics become back issues, this dude may have had easily about $100,000 his cost in inventory sitting in back issue boxes of things that he had hoped to sell at some point, which he had not sold. And part of the reason he had not sold them is because we know that comic book sales drop month over month, right? Something that sells 20 copies this month, right. next month is going to sell 12 copies. The following month of that is going to sell six copies. We know this is generally how it works. So we tend to order with that in mind. Yeah. Now, 
if you order hard to that in mind, mm-hmm. you probably don't have as much overstock as some other places do, do yeah, have. Right. Right. But okay. since there's no perfect formula for it, right, you're going to have some overstock. What my man wants to wants to have instituted as um, um, sort of a, a remedy to that is returnability. Right? Almost nothing in comic books is returnable. So we order things two, two months in advance, sometimes more in advance than that, right? <coughs> and when they arrive, we say to ourselves, man, I hope I was smart two months ago when I ordered 30 copies of this thing. Because if I sell 25 copies of this thing that I ordered 30 copies of, I'm happy. But I know I'm not selling 25 copies that, that next month, right? Okay. When I ordered that second issue of that thing, number one hadn't shown up yet. Right. So I'm still saying to myself, I ordered 20, I ordered 30. How many am I going to order number two when that comes around? I'm probably going to order, if I'm smart, 15, yeah. right? Okay. Maybe less, okay. right? Because more than likely, what's going to happen is, man, everybody's going to be on that first issue, and almost no one's going to be on that second. But if I end up at a point where I have $100,000 in stock sitting anywhere in, a, in, a, in an eight-month period, what I'm probably doing is I'm waiting for the industry to change instead of making my own change, right? I got to be the one as a comic shop owner to say, fuck this noise, right? I'm not going, right? <laughs> I know all you motherfuckers love Killmonger in that Black Panther movie. But when Marvel decided back last November to drop a Killmonger number one, I knew two things. Some people are going to buy Killmonger number one because they think Killmonger's awesome because they like the movie they saw last February, right? But they don't give a fuck about his story. You don't actually care, right? If you cared, you'd have read those. You'd have read all those uh, those 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 trade paperbacks and graphic novels of Black Panther that has Killmonger in them. Well, Killmonger ain't about shit. And you would have seen that the only thing that you liked about Killmonger was Michael B. Jordan, right? <laughs> Had that balloon been burst for you, you wouldn't have come in to even get Killmonger number one. Yet you did, which told me you ain't coming back for number two, right? The formula was easy. So we just gambled. So you, what you're saying now is that as a shop owner, you're a gambler. My man is right. My man is right. It is roulette. You are betting on red or black, right? But you know the house is against you, right? <laughs> so returnability is the answer here. When I order some shit from you, Diamond, because we're in a business relationship with Diamond, but Diamond is not my friend, right? <laughs> when I order some shit from you, what I would like is for some percentage of the shit that I order greater than 60%. To be returnable. That way, if if I'm gonna like, I'll order higher if I can give it back to you in two months. Right. Right. I will in fact push it harder because I ordered higher, so I can give it back to you in two months. I'm not gonna be like ordering 20 copies on returnability and just be like, well, I only sell two. Good thing I can sell them. Other, I get them other 18 back to Diamond and get credit for them. Who would do that? If I got 20 copies of some shit, I'm trying to sell 18 of them shits. Right. I'm trying to do that. Right. But without returnability, I look at comics and I go. Nah, a lot of people like this Into the Spider-Verse shit, right? A lot of people feeling Miles right now. I'm going to go big on a Miles number one. And I'm going to see how many of those people will subscribe to Miles for their kids, for themselves, for their right. sisters. Because that's, that's guaranteed That's guaranteed sales. And that is going to be the thing I hang my hat on. I can get Miles on my shelf, and I can get a little bit of extra Miles on my shelf. Every, You know, I can keep the subsequent issues to a point. Okay. And there's a bit in which I can tap out. I can do the same thing with Gwen, right? With Ghost Spider. Her series... I went, I went real like kind of like like light on that shit because I was like, it happened before the movie came out, mm-hmm. right? And I was like, mm-hmm. her last two series that happened, 
I got subscribers on them, and it went to subscriber only pretty quick, and I'm okay with that. Because those are like six, seven, eight, nine guaranteed sales. I'm cool selling those books. But with a new series and that movie, I need to see who's going to be all about it. And the other thing he's not really talking about is sometimes you look at a book that Marvel, that Marvel or, or, or Diamond's telling you is going to be hot shit. And you get to say to yourself, I'm going to completely skip it because I have a better shot just selling it in trade paperback than I do in individual issues. So returnability would solve a lot of problems. But they're not trying to give us returnability because that, doesn't, that, that creates a problem for them. Yes. Right, so he's right that returnability would solve it, but yeah, they ain't doing it. Um, two, he he has reboots as an issue because reboots and things like that to to Marvel and DC, they see these things as jumping on points where cats can like get into a thing. Okay. But really, what we already know is people just jump off a thing, right? <laughs> they they're like, oh shit, man, you've I liked Iron Man fine, but now there's new Iron Man number one. I can't keep up, right? And I'm getting the hell off of it, right? Okay. The issue is not with Marvel for giving you a new Iron Man number one. They're trying to sell comics. The issue, to my mind, is when we do the ordering, there's a, there's a code in the background of a lot of things that's called a series number that you guys don't know. You don't see it. So Iron Man number one is not really Iron Man number one to the, to the database we use. If you're using the same system I use, it's some six-digit series of numbers, right? When that series number changes, it is harder for me to now track my sales of this Iron Man number one compared to the last Iron Man number one, right? It is harder for me to track the sales of this Iron Man number one to the last issue of the last Iron Man series, right? When you don't change the series number, I have a chance, if there's a new Iron Man number one, to literally sell it to exactly the same people before without even having to even discuss that it's a new number one. They go, oh, shit, there's a new number one. It's just sitting in my box. Oh, okay, I guess something changed, yeah. But if you change the series number, and I gotta be like, ah, god damn it! You know what's gonna happen now? Like, all those other subscriptions are just basically gonna like die. And I gotta tell these people, do you want the new book? I gotta ask them. Okay. They almost always say, nah, I'm, I'm gonna get out if they're just doing some new shit. But if if that shit just turns up in their box because nothing really changed, mm -hmm. I get to sell it to exactly the people I was selling it to before, right. and maybe turn some new people onto it. Leave the series numbers alone, so that in our system the sales data tracks. Yeah. Right. Because we're still looking at that, yeah, yeah. right? I mean, you're my, as my friend, I can say to you, there's a new Iron Man series, and you might trust me enough to stick with it, yeah. right? But most people go, ah, I'm just going to get off it and buy something else, right? Okay, I'll live with that, you know? Um, I kind of, I, I really see it as an issue of, I also don't need as many, because he mentions it here too in his article, I don't need as many, like, new one-shots and as many, like, New limited series, but I also understand why these have variant covers. Fuck variant covers. I ain't fucking with that at all. Like, you got to specifically ask me for a variant cover. You got to tell me ahead of time you want all the variant covers for Green Arrow or I ain't ordering no Green Arrow variant covers. I'm not fucking doing it. Why? For what? You know? I'm just not. Like, okay. I know that sometimes. I, like, I know that was a sticking point. That's why one, I put one, one, one to 25. Sometimes there's a one to 25 variant where it's like, <laughs> allegedly, I can sell this one book for 25 bucks, then it makes up for the whole lot of cost of the fine. But I got to find some sucker who likes Green Arrow just enough. Pay 25 bucks for a variant cover. Like, I'm not. No, I got other shit to do. Man. I just do. If you're willing to buy the regular cover, buy the fucking regular cover. Um, you buy that shit every month, I ain't got to worry about the variant. Right? Variant chasing is silly. But some shops are like big, massive-ass like warehouses of unsold shit. Yeah. And some of that unsold shit is variant covers. Right? I'm trying to not do that. Right? I ain't, I'm not really you, you ain't trying to get that 100 grand in, in unsold stock? Um, right? <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm sorry. But that doesn't seem like a thing that is sustainable for me. But if I'm like, you know, if I, I also don't own two stores or three stores like this cat does, right? So, yeah. like, maybe he's, he knows some things I don't know. 
and he's been in business longer than I have. So he has ways of trying to move his hundred grand worth of stock. My shop's two hundred fifty square feet. Well, I don't have a place to put a hundred. What? And I got to pay to store it. So not only did I order shit I couldn't sell, but now I got to heat it and cool it too. Like, uh, uh-uh. uh. I'm not. No, no, no. I mean, well, no. That's wrong. I'm just feeding rats at that point. I ain't trying to go. We ain't doing it. Not at all. That's just stupid. <laughs> it's not. It's not good for my business model. Let right. Us say. Right. 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 And I'm trying to run my shit like a fresh fruit stand. You know. It's got a couple weeks to go, and if that ain't going, we ain't doing it no more. You know, people will ask me sometimes. They'll be like, "Man, you had one and two and three of this thing, but I can't find four or five. I go, "Would you like four or five? They go, "Yeah, okay, well, give me, let's see me in a week. You know, see me in three days. Right, right, right. You know, because the reason you don't see four and five is well, I ain't got no room for four and five because one, two, and three didn't sell with shit. You know, I ain't sticking around with it. I just, I, I can't. Right. I'll move something that I can't. Um, but I feel like when it comes, I know why the one shots happen. I know why the limited series happen because. What you do want from your major publishers is you want talent and you want good books. And one of the ways, one of the most tried and true ways to test that talent out is to give them a one shot or give them a limited series. Yeah. Give them an anthology book. Give them something where they can stretch their legs a little bit. Right? Let us see how you do Cowboy Ghost Rider. Let us see how you do Two Gun Kid before we give you Punisher. Right? Let us see how you do Machine Man in like a, a three issue limited series before we give you Iron Man. Let us see how you do this Winter Soldier thing nobody gives a shit about because they don't care about they care about Winter Soldier in movies. They don't care about Winter Soldier in comics before we give you a new Nick Fury thing before we get you to Captain America, right? Like that's kind of how it works. But as a retailer, what what I prefer to do is say to myself, if that's not a limited series I can move X amount of numbers of, I'm just gonna not bother. Because I know sometimes it can be an impulse book that somebody picks up, but I'd rather somebody pick up an impulse book I can actually move. Right. Okay. I'm, I don't want to clutter the space with maybes. Yeah. Right. I want. want I want. Sure, to, you want sure shots. Yeah. Yeah. I, don't, I just can't. I can't do and that. Guaranteed. Yeah. I can't do that. I would rather someone say like two years from now, what else did this dude do? This book is awesome. He's great on the Hulk. And I'd be like, oh shit, man. Two years ago, he did a, a limited series for Winter Soldier. Oh shit, I never saw it. Well, here's the graphic novel. Right. Give me your seventeen ninety nine instead of you ghosting me after you owe me. You know what I mean? Like, I, nah, I don't want to deal with that. You know. So yeah. Okay, I'm not. I'm not down. I'm not down with that at all. Um, he had a few other special covers from issue to issue, which is more about the variant cover thing. He didn't really dig that. He, he kind of feels like nobody really does. It, nobody did. Nobody does. But he also. But the fact is that his complaint is that Marvel Marvel would do a thing where they'll offer like for number one they'll offer twelve different variant covers. For number two they'll offer four different variant covers. For number three they'll offer five different variant covers. For number four they'll offer nine variant covers. For number five they'll offer, the next one they'll offer three variant covers. It's inconsistent number of variants that they seem to offer. So, and, and to that I kind of feel like that's an awful odd ass complaint to have. Right? Like really? Like you must have a lot of variant hunters who are unhappy. But since I don't I don't really understand that complaint. I don't get that what you want is a consistent five variants a month. Because when I'm at issue 12, I don't know who wants a variant in at all of issue 12. I, I, I don't see why that's a thing. I don't really just make a poster book, man. Just give me a book of covers by Artist X yeah. that are just really interesting, cool-ass covers that didn't go to books. I mean, find some other way to market that product instead of me having to find somebody who gives a fuck about, like, you know, well, Doctor Strange point, number 18 variant. Right. At this point, I don't care about the cover. I don't care about the books. I care about the covers. Yeah. I wanted to see, like, the artists who, hey, you know, like I said, the, the, kind of the trial kind of thing, like, you know, let's see how you do on this cover. Let's yeah. see how you do this for, um, how you do this for Doctor Strange. How you do this for Black Panther. How yeah. you do this. Let's see how you do. And I'm more interested in, like, oh, okay, what is your, what do you do on covers? 
What is your thing? What is you, you know, are you doing life? Can you draw feet? You know, is everybody disappearing into the distance? Do you have explosions? Do you just like the shadow kind of thing? Like, I'm interested in the process. Every time I hear a Rob Liefeld complaint, I become more and more of a Rob Liefeld fan. Of course you do. I, 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 push, you I, push, I push more into the, because here's why. Here's why. Rob Liefeld doesn't draw feet, and I'd rather him not draw feet than draw bad feet. <laughs> but. Well, yeah. But. The, the, it's a paradox. He's the greatest paradox in comics. The dude has produced more comics that people complain about. And while they complain, a lot of people own his damn comics. Yeah. And it's, a, it's, the, it's, the, it's the Kanye argument, right? Right? Like, a lot of people complain about Kanye who own Kanye's music. Right? Well, Kanye became a crazy person. Yes. He was not always a crazy person. I completely get that. Rob Liefeld is one of the nicest guys in comics. Right? But man, does he ever draw a lot of attention and dollars? What has Liefeld done in the past five, ten years? Uh, well, he did Hawk and Dove for DC. Um, he did Deathstroke before he did Hawk and Dove for DC. He, I think he wrote something not that long ago. Um, but mostly now people give him cover jobs. Okay, so the yeah. point, the, my point being that old, if we're making this parallel, yeah. old Kanye, old Liefeld. Okay, yeah. everybody was like, oh, yay, hooray, blah, blah, blah. Thing is, new Kanye kept talking and making music. And people went, this is kind of shitty. I don't know. Was if, his music shitty or was he just, his, the talking was a shitty part that also fucked the music up? Yeah. Okay, all right. <laughs> I see. Because yeah. I think Kanye have liked. The thing is. But like, Kanye, I don't want to listen to when, but, because Kanye started talking. Right, because yeah. the life field is like, he's not, he didn't have that, not depth of work. He didn't. There's not a lot you can point to. Like, ever since, you know, old life failed old Kanye, there is that line of demarcation where you like, okay, at this point where this and this happened to Kanye and he put this a, this album out, then he started yapping, then he got with the Kardashians, and then, okay, then it went downhill. Liefeld didn't have that thing. Liefeld's whole thing was just steady on of, of the no, can't draw feet, mad bags, mad pockets, and everything, and it just kind of kept going and became kind of yeah. a punchline at that point. Yeah. So I don't know if you can make that parallel. Okay. But Rob Liefeld still has a huge following. Yeah. And for what he makes, there is a market for it. Yeah. Is I think my point, Rob Liefeld. So, like, I don't have to buy it. I don't have to like it. And I sure as hell saw an X-Men cover from that dude. Like, just like a couple, well, sometime like last year in the fall, early fall, when that motherfucker gave somebody two left feet. Yes. And was. <laughs> oh, that was awesome. That was awesome. <laughs> like, how did this happen, Rob? How did this happen? But I know how it happened. I know exactly how it happened. So, like, it happened because Rob is busy doing, he's doing Rob. But, like, he's not paying, he's not thinking, like, oh shit, does this look right anatomically? He's thinking, does it look exciting? I know that's what he's thinking, and that there's some people who that's all they fuck they and, want. And there's nobody going like, dog, you, you see that? You see what you did there? Right, right. Well, once people saw it, you know. But I don't know if Rob like if Rob if Rob Liefeld has anybody looking at his work as he works, they're gonna go. That looks amazing. Like anyone around him is going to tell him what he wants to hear. Okay. You know what I mean? Like because they're they're around him now. Like anyone hanging out with that dude right now <laughs> knows who they're hanging out with. You put big ass titties on that dude, man. <laughs> you realize you just did that? Wow. <laughs> Holy shit. You know? Somebody would have to tell him, and nobody will. Nobody will. They'd be like, oh shit, man. I, okay, I guess I guess Iron Man just got some titties. <laughs> but 
that's what I think I see. Boobs. Bo- Iron Man's got boobs. I <laughs> looking good, Rob. Iron chesticles. Right? That's, right? That's kind of what would happen. You know, I just I don't know. I don't know how else they would do it. Because obviously it's been like this all this time. No one's told why, him why so change, far. Why change him now? No one's told him so far. And when he puts some shit out, people go, oh man, just for shits and giggles, I want the life hell cover. I'm not giving nobody four bucks for shits and giggles. Uh-uh. I'm not doing it, but millions of people seem to do it. So I fucking know. Like, I mean, somebody goes and sees Adam Sandler movies. I don't know who those people are, but they keep making them shits. Somebody thinks Kevin Hart's funny. You know, they're going to see his shit. Somebody likes Mike Epps. I don't understand that. Wow, you had Mike Epps. I, yeah, man, not funny. Someone likes his movies. They out there. You know, for now, for now. But so, um. He actually makes the this dude in, in in the comics article does make a good a good point about discounts, right? So with Diamond, when we order a, a certain volume of things, we get a certain discount tier, right? Right. The problem with this is everything's not an even discount across the board, and so for DC and Marvel, most likely to be the two biggest things we order, we have the largest discount on those things, right? Um, for let's say Dynamite or IDW, if we don't, if most comic shops won't order as much of that stuff, so you're gonna have less of a discount on those things. What Diamond does, however, it takes the the lowest ordered sort of non-major publisher stuff, lumps them into the same bracket, and then our discount is based on that total, right? So if I order X amount over a three-month period of, of DC comics, I can have a 50, 53% discount or something like that. Same with Marvel. But if I order, they don't say to me, you gotta order. X amount of hundreds of dollars in Boom or, or IDW in order to get better than a 35% discount. They say, if you take all those little small guys together and it equals X over three months period, this is your discount. His point is, since none of this shit's really returnable or likely to be returnable, and since I got to wait a while to see if that happens anyway, if my discount is lower on the non-Marvel DC shit, how about you give me returnable returnability on everything that isn't mainline Marvel and DC if my discount is lower than X. Because essentially what ends up happening with that stuff is that stuff becomes things that are subscriber only anyway. Right? Mm-hmm. If somebody wants the Lone Ranger comic from Dynamite or the, the, the John Carter World of Mars series of comics or the Sherlock Holmes comic or like Turok, the, the, the caveman. Dinosaur dude. Hunter. Right. If they, if they want those books, those are likely not to be books on my shelf. Right? Those are most likely to be books in pool boxes yeah. for people who specifically want that thing. So those are still guaranteed sales. But if you want me to shelve them, you got to give me greater incentive to actually order them like I would a Marvel or a DC book. I personally find that this is, it's a valid issue, but I just resolve that by just making that ship subscriber only after month one or two, right? So I'm not really sweating it. When I'm ordering it, I'm seeing if you like it enough to pull it alongside your Wicked Divine and your Saga books. That's my test, right? When, I, when you buy that, I'm saying to myself, aha, you just picked that up because you like these other three things you got in your box, and you're going to add that to the pile? Great. Let's see how much you like it, and I would just be ordering that for you. I'm okay doing that. Okay. I'm not looking for a way to like put new things specifically on my shelf just to have the variety of doing the thing. In fact, he says there's 40% of the stuff in his shop he could pull off of his shelves and never order again, and no one would even notice. Then you should do that, <laughs> Right? If you can take 40% of this shit on your shelf right now and take it off of your shelf, right? If you had a record store, right, and, and, and 60% of your shit was like rock, hip-hop, R&B, right, and, and the other 40% was like country music, would you month over month be like, man, I can't sell Dwight Yoakam for shit. I think the label ought to give me a better discount. 
Or would you, if you said, man, I could just move all this Brad Paisley right the fuck out the door, just throw it in the garbage, nobody would even notice. Then you should throw that shit in the garbage, right? Give more room to the new Black Thought album or some shit like that. Why are you buying, Brad Paisley's a great guitar player, but if ain't nobody buying your shit, son, the garbage needs it. It's demanding it. Oscar's at the bottom of a trash can dying for you to give him new whatever the hell. Big and rich, you know? Save a horse, ride a cowboy, straight into the fucking trash. Do it, right? Like, if you think 40% of your shit can go away and no, no one would notice, test that shit. Test it yesterday, right? If you're going to save and your comedy... don't make com- that mistake again. Right! You, you've now learned a thing. As you type that, if I was my man, as I was typing, I'd be like, I bet I could throw 40% of my shit into the... Wait a minute. <laughs> I wonder. Like, <laughs> that's what I would do, you know? Ain't nothing more satisfying than be looking at your shelf and going, that shit don't sell, get it off my racks. Do it. You know? The customer is there to get their comments from you, but they're not there to, like, save you. You know what I mean? That's not really, that's not the relationship you have. They love you being here, right? They can't imagine this neighborhood without it. But they're not going to buy shit they don't want just to save your ass. They ain't got money for that, right? So if you've just now come to that realization... Invite me down. If, if retailers, you want to have a trashing party. Trashing party. Invite your boy, right? <laughs> I, man, what? How far away you got to be? If you're within one state of me, if you're in one state of Illinois and you need somebody to help you carry some bullshit to the garbage, hit your boy at Doc Midnight up on the Twitters, and I will, man, look, just make it a Sunday or a Monday, baby. I'll come through. My price is like, I don't know, like free and some Jameson, and we can do that shit. You know? Gas, gas money? Get gas money, though. All right. Yeah. Lisa might appreciate the gas money. Yeah. Because <laughs> she won't understand any of it. She, we, we're doing what? We're going to throw a bunch of cameras in the garbage. <laughs> which could mean, to, which could mean take them to a library. You mean take them to a library, donate them to a school, do whatever. Like, you give them to the troops. We can take them any number of places. We can take them anywhere you want. But they don't have to be on your shelves cluttering up space while you get bitter at Marvel and DC. Right? You were the one who ordered that shit. You, you did that. You know? I ain't mad at Marvel and DC because I was like, my eyes got bigger than my stomach. I wouldn't do that. You know? And I'm more than happy to sell the trade paperback of a thing that didn't. I don't tell people, ooh, this trade's really good, but nobody bought it. Like, I try very hard not to say those words because I don't want to say nobody wanted it in its individual issues and then make you think it's not good. Right. Right? The reason people don't buy it in individual issues is sometimes there's so much shit out there, they don't know where they fit in. Right? Like, yeah. how do I. I just, I just get stuck up. Yeah. I got, man, I'm buying like 15 comics a month. I don't know if I could do a 16th. Usually, if you buy 15, you can, but some people think they can't. Right? But like, there are people I know who buy three. They can't do a fourth and a fifth. They can't. They can't risk it. They only got so much money. There's campus here. You know these kids. They can't. They can't do that. But if I give them a trade paperback or something, I give them the collective volume. They go, "Ooh, this is really cool," and it's a whole story, right? And they right. end up loving it, right? They just couldn't have afforded to try it before yeah, yeah. and risk not liking it. Yeah. You know. Yeah. That's. I think his, his discount thing. The only real issue is my man just seems to like <laughs> not be willing to throw his shit in the trash. You know. Which is something um, you were willing to do. Yeah, sure. <laughs> Let's see. Uh, yeah, man, I, he's got he's got solid points. None of these points, however, have anything to do with diversity and creative and diversity of character. None of his complaints touch any of these things, right? Not one of them. So this guy's already a successful comics retailer, and he's having some issues, but really all of his shit has issues to do with, like, 
requiring Marvel and Diamond to change and DC to change, and there's no incentive for those guys to change. So if you're a retailer like I am, you have to be your own change, right? Like, I get an email. Every time I do my order, I get an email from Diamond that says, hey, so, you know, we just happened to, like, be looking at what you just ordered, and, you know, hey, man, you did really good. You, thank you for ordering all those comics. But, you know, you only ordered this many of this comic and this many of this comic, and what most stores do is they order this many. So if you want us to, we can increase your number from 5 to, like, 10. If you want us to, we can increase your number from 15 to, like, 22. If you want, we can increase your number of that thing from, like, 12 to, like, 18. I ignore every single one of them because that's not my friend emailing me, right? Your man's ain't looking out for you. Right. Then, nah, man, that's the dope man. The dope man's like, look, man, listen, here's what you, I know what you, you smoke when you stress, right? You smoke when you stress. You would try smoking at breakfast. You know, you would try like smoking over your waffles, man. Like, that's what he's saying. Like, I know what he's saying. You know? You're like, I know when I smoke. <laughs> right. I smoke when I can afford it. If my bartender was like, Hey, hey, man, come on in, man. We got that J-Mo for you. Oh, dude, yeah, here you go, man. Hey, you like a double? I said, sure, yeah, I like a double. I would never say no to that. But then if he's like, hey, so uh, I'll see you tomorrow, right? I'd be like, wait, no. No, you will not see me tomorrow. <laughs> what are you talking about? I happen to like drinking my whiskey, but I don't need to be here every damn day. Like, not, not if you know I'm coming. <laughs> no. <laughs> That's not my friend now. Right? Now we have a problem. No, it's you know? business. It's, to him it's business. To him it's business. Right? Anyone good at this business doesn't have to do that. Right? You, you don't have to do that. In right. fact, you can incentivize me to buy more in different ways than that. Right? I don't, nah, man. I mean, I want to know if I'm about to miss the ball on something. And you know what's better at helping me know if I'm missing the ball? Twitter. You follow enough creators on Twitter, and you follow enough creators who follow creators on Twitter, and you will discover that when these dudes are not going to slip up on telling you they got a book coming out. Better than telling you they got a book coming out, they will tell you when the FOC is for that book, right? I learn more about things that are hitting final order cutoff dates, right, from Twitter and Tumblr, where I can then go and look that book up and go, oh, shit, that is something I might want to try. Okay, then from Diamond, right? Because all Diamond's going to tell me is, you should order more of this thing. Right? These guys are going to say, if you order some Boom Studio stuff, you might be up on this thing, but this thing exists. The only company out there that I think that does this really well is Boom Studios themselves. Boom Studios, in fact, sends you a thing every month that says, hey, you order these three books from us, well, here's a fourth book that fits with these things. If you're selling this thing, you might be able to sell this thing, too. For this, and they give you like a logic for it. Okay. Right? And sometimes I look at that and I go, hmm, yeah, okay, I can rock with that. Sometimes I look at that and go, nah, you grasping the straw, son. But whatever. You know, you gotta try. And they have, and they do this. The Boom thing. There's a decent returnability project uh, process for it too. So I try a lot of shit from Boom because I know I'm gonna sell through more than half of it. You know, some of it's going on pull list, and anything I don't move, eh, chuck it back. You know, I'm okay with that. Like I'm okay with a lot of this shit. But I don't think the comic book industry is gonna be saved by like requiring the dudes wrecking the comic book industry to change what they do. Because to them, the job is to create IPs, right. right? They're simply making content that can be put in some other on a screen somewhere, right? They aren't thinking of the comic book shop as the ultimate end, right? Yeah. They just make comics and they sell the comics to us. Like you, Troy, are not the customer. I'm the customer, right? right. And if I'm they buying have, the comics have, yeah, sight unseen, yeah, no what idea. do they really need to change, right? As long as I'm buying the books two, three months in advance, sight unseen, truthfully, Diamond ain't got to change shit. We want them to, but they don't actually have to. There's no, I mean, for what? And there's no other 
game in town. No, and and the the way for it to be other game in town is for there not be things like exclusive uh, exclusive publishing rights, or you know what I mean. Like like if DC and Marvel will only go through Diamond for new comics, then to for you to not to you for you to use another distributor, that distributor wouldn't have DC and Marvel comics, and then you're taking a real risk of what kind of comic shop you could be. You literally have to be a comic shop on a college campus to not carry a Marvel or DC comics. Or like Quimby's, you know what I mean? Yeah. You gotta be in a place where everybody skateboards to your shop and they don't roll Shout the streets of a night. You know what I mean? Shout like you, you gotta be in a spot where it's okay that all your comics are like written on driftwood. Like, fine, you can do that. It's all it's, it's, it's zines oh. and driftwood, and you can make that shit happen. Because then that customer base doesn't necessarily care about Batman and Spider-Man. Right? Or they know, I don't come to Quimby's for that. Yeah, that's not what they're there for. I go somewhere, I go yep. somewhere else for that. They'll make two stops if they got to. Yeah. Right? And so I don't have a problem with that. Like, But there aren't that many places that can pull that off. And you also have to be in a major city to do that. Yes. You know? Very true. That's, it's a different issue. It's an entirely different issue. You know? Yeah. There. All right. You I spoke on that shit. You, you spoke on You spoke it. <laughs> what we got? Um, oh, we did the music thing. Sports? Well, <laughs> okay, I'll say a sports thing. Say a sports thing. Leave Cody Parkey the fuck alone. Yes, very true. Leave Cody Parkey alone. Uh, he sucks at his job, though. He does suck at his job. Okay. He, he, I mean, there are people who probably suck more. But, like, his, it shouldn't come down to your kicker who sucks at his job. Well. What we're talking about, if you guys don't know, if you don't follow Sporty Ball, sporty is, ball. That, is that the ball. Bears got eliminated last week from the playoffs. Um, and I was really paying attention because they were in the playoffs, right? And it was a lot of fun to watch them try to be in the playoffs or whatever. But the thing that should have happened was the Bears should have scored more points. And the Bears would have scored more. Had the Bears scored more points, they'd still be in the playoffs. They might have gotten eliminated yesterday. But it came down to a kicker. And the kicker uh, made a field He kicked the field goal, and he made that one. And then as he kicked that field goal, the opposing team called timeout. So they kicked the field goal again. And when he kicked the field goal again, it was tipped. And then it hit an upright, and then it hit the crossbar, and then it wasn't good. So the Bears lost the game because they didn't score enough points. The kicker is not the reason the Bears lost that game. Very true. The, the Bears not scoring enough points is the reason they lost that game. Very true. And I, 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 I know it was shouting for it because I'm, I'm understanding a, this isn't a Chicago thing. This is a – I've only lived in major sports markets. This is a major city thing where mm-hmm. your local team gets – a whiff of success, or the yep. city gets a whiff of success, and now you are owed a thing. Yep. Now the thing has to come to you, right. and if you, you don't get you, it, you are in fact owed the Super Bowl. You are owed it. You're owed the Super Bowl. Give it to that, us. That's totally Chicago feeling. On a platter. You were going. You could have been in the Super Bowl. You were that good if your kicker had made that kick. But let's not talk about the quarterback who isn't that good. Let's talk about the fact that your most dynamic player touches the ball four times in a game. Yep. Whatever. We ain't talking about, you know, because nope. your coach is, is playing it cute. Yeah. Whatever. Yeah. Offensive genius coach couldn't get any offense going against the one damn team who actually couldn't stop you if you threw the ball at them. Yes. But that's the way you go. Um, but I was amused. I'm always amused at – and I, I, Bears fans became Blackhawks fans to me. Oh. After they beat the Rams. Oh, that means something different to me. After they beat the Rams, it was all like – Oh shit! Give it to us now. Like we beat the front runner. What else do you want? Oh shit! We won in this whole thing, and Bears fans start talking that good shit. <laughs> I was thinking you meant that they became uncontrollably racist and like oh. hereditarily racist and double down racist. Oh, oh no. Okay, all right. Not yet. I mean, it's too many black people playing for the Bears. So, and there are no black guys playing for the Hawks at this point. 
So the last one who played for them, he died. Was Ray Emery? Was he the last black guy to play for them? He wasn't Lions? the last black guy. Oh, was he not? Okay. Right. He did play for them at yeah. one point, yes. Yeah, he, he didn't die. He did die. Yes. Yes. But he, okay, who was the last black guy to play for the Lions? Um, that was, um, he's in Columbus now, um, and he got yelled Jerome McGinley. No, uh, no, Anthony DeClaire. He's in Columbus now. Is, it, in the he NHL, was the one who was in the, the penalty is, box and they yelled um, basketball uh-huh. at him. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay. That guy. It is almost impossible to tell who's black in the NHL by their name. Yeah. Like, if I hear Antoine in the NHL, it is not likely to be a black guy. And Antoine in the NFL is a black dude. Man. Every damn time. Is there an Antoine in the NHL? <laughs> I got to think. Is there an Antoine in the NHL? I don't think there's If I hear someone's NHL. name DeAndre in the NHL, That'd be awesome. there's a good chance he's not actually black. No, there's, there's, there's a couple Michaels and, like, regular ass names. That's hilarious. Um, but, yeah. Let me know a list of black hockey players. I was, Make me a list, Troy. I can, well, let's see. There's... No, oh, Devontae. There's a Devontae. Ah. <laughs> Word up, Devontae right. Smith Pelly, world champion. Devontae is black. Devontae right. is black. As no hell. doubt. Devontae Smith Pelly is, is black as hell. Yeah. He's black in the 71st of Stony Island. Yeah. <laughs> Devontae Swain. Word to Black Street. Um, anyway, but yes, yeah, so. Um, so, yeah, the Bears, uh, yeah, it came down to a kicker. And. Also, the fact... I, Shout I out to Goose Island, too. Did you see what they did over the weekend? Goose Island... Oh, the, 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 the kicking... The field goal thing, yeah, man. The field goal challenge thing. The first dude to do it fell right on his ass and kicked the ball into a fence. <laughs> I, do, I do enjoy whenever they say, hey, common person, you bitch, you, who about, are bitching. you bitch about athletes so much, come out and do what they do. Yes. See if you can do it. And people are like, bah! And they get up off the couch, and they suck at it, and it's awesome. I love watching that. that I don't know if excellent. anybody actually made it. I should look it up. I don't know if anybody made I don't, it. I don't know if they did. But I doubt they did because 47 yards is longer than That's you think. Longish, yeah. It's longer than you think. It's 130 feet, I believe. Yeah. You, you're kicking something 130 feet through an opening that's like 30 feet wide. Good luck with that. It's, it's not something. <laughs> so not Cody Parkey sucks at his job. A lot of people hate the man and want to run out of town for it, but you couldn't do it on your best day. You can do it on your best day. But in, in, in Meathead's defense, that's what he get paid to do. And the fact that the guy he replaced. He does, not, he does not get paid to make kicks. He gets paid to attempt kicks. Because to say he gets paid to make kicks means he can never miss. Mm-mm. He gets paid to make them at a high rate. A higher rate than you would. A higher rate? No, 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 no. Because if if this guy, if if we let's take the the, the shot for here is the fact that because of budget constraints, yes. they let Robbie Gold go. And well, not not just budget constraints, but sure, okay, yeah. Robbie Gold can yeah. proceed in the next what three four years to miss three kicks. Yes. While the Bears kickers in the meantime have missed like nineteen. Yes. Robbie Gold missed a bunch of kicks the year he was let go. That's why they let him go. They thought, oh, man, maybe Robbie goes at the end. And everyone was like, that guy, he's got to go. Something's different about Robbie. He's not the same. Ah, it's time to change kickers. And so they did. And then Robbie Gold missed three kicks the next three damn years. Right? And you got a dude who was solid where he was. Solid. Right? Solid where he was. And he came here. And for whatever reason here, he's not as good. Kickers score more points are than. old as hell and yeah. can still kick. Well, two of them are. 
Well, two of them are Sebastian Janikowski and that other dude, Andy Adam Vinatieri. They're both in the league. (laughs) Sebastian Janikowski looks like a goddamn linebacker. He always did. (laughs) When he played, they they call him the Polish Cannon. Yeah. When they were at Florida State. He was big. He was huge. But he hurt himself kicking a field goal. He did. So Seattle stopped kicking field goals and that was great. He he grabbed his his thigh. Yeah. Oh, shit. Look at that. It was so weird. Because he, he, he kicked, he landed, he watched it, and then he twitched. Then he like, oh, and then he crumpled. He curled, he Charlie like, horse. Did you get shot? Yeah. What happened? Yeah. Good times. Good times. Um, that was another sports ball thing. What do you got? Um, what's the other? What's the next? Okay, question? so no, so here's my que- here's a question. Okay. Is my opinion that signing a free agent in baseball means very Uh-oh. little to nothing? I see. Okay. As is. opposed to it's a baseball question. I'm ready. Ba- yeah, look. As opposed to a basketball, no, probably not. Foot- well, football depends. Do you mean like the impact of that free agent on the actual re- results on the of ass- the next yes. season? Yes, because it came out today. I don't know if he's actually signed yet or not, but apparently the White Sox are going all out. They they offer Manny Machado an eight year deal. Eight year deal and yeah. a ton of money. The the going all out for the White Sox was signing a bunch of his friends. That's the first thing they did, which is stupid. They signed up a bunch of his friends, thinking that he would want to come play with his friends. It is the most Bush League-ass way to get a free agent I've ever seen in my life in baseball. But maybe it works, maybe it doesn't. But my point being that Manny Machado, because I saw him play with the Dodgers last year. It wasn't that great. And, in fact, everybody else hated him. Well, okay. Because Manny Machado is actually kind of a dick. A lot of people don't know anything about baseball. Uh, Okay, continue. Okay. But the point being that even if Manny Machado shows up in a White Sox uniform, it does not make that much of a difference for the White Sox because they will still suck. Yes. Particularly if part of the plan is also trade uh, Jose, um, Jose Abreu. Right. If your plan is, if you, if you, if plan is still to rebuild, which I think should be your plan overall, I don't, think you're, I don't think currently you're ready to have a Manny Machado if you're the White Sox. So if, if the plan requires dumping assets from your major league roster who are viable and can bring you assets back in return. Having Manny Machado just means you have a ticket draw on a mediocre team. You already that mediocre? Have, it, That's going to be a losing team. No. So, so it isn't because he's basically going to replace Jose Abreu. Right? Last year's White Sox team was kind of exciting to watch at times. Like, I went to a couple games and I was like, Holy shit, somebody, Daniel Parker can fucking hit. I didn't know. Like, ho, what the hell's happening here? Who are these fucking dudes? Yomer Sanchez, I like a lot of these guys who play for these White Sox. My trouble is that by the time the White Sox are ready to be a 92-win team, I'm not sure those are the guys that are going to get you there. Or you need two Manny Machados, right? <laughs> you only have one Manny Machado. If you, if, you, if you have Jose Abreu and Manny Machado at the corners, right, and the rest of your team is your team and your pitching staff is solid, you're fine, I think, fine. But that is not winning a division fine. That is simply you're better than you were last year, right? The White Sox need to be a contender, and that to me means you keep going with your teardown. You don't offer a dude eight years and 200-some-odd million dollars, right? You, you, go, you go get like an Edwin Encarnacion or somebody who plays third base. You go find yourself a third baseman who's going to hit you 30 home runs and get you 100 RBI, and yay, you ain't paying him nearly as much as you're paying Manny Machado, right? And you keep divesting yourself of talent to get picks, 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 and picks. Right. And you develop those dudes, and you are still three years away from when you're going to be relevant. Because in that three years, everybody else's division is going to get worse. Right? Every good team is going to get worse. Right? The, the Indians the won't be the Indians. Right? The Indians won't be the Indians in three years. Right? 
It's, it's a fact. Detroit, it's still going to suck. Right? Right? You, you are going to be beating these teams. The Royals aren't the Royals now. Right? Rachel. But it's splashy if you go get Manny Machado now because Manny Machado is very young. And he's a monster at the plate. And he plays two positions. And you're in it. Right? That is a great get on a team with players. It's why the Dodgers were able to contend. Now, he wasn't that great given that there are a lot of other players on that team. Right? There were. Yes. You didn't need Manny Machado to be great, great, great. And he sometimes is unlikable. Sure. He's a dick. You know? But, again, he's not taking your daughter to the prom. Right? It's not an issue. Right? Like, just play ball. Don't be, don't be some other guys in baseball who you literally need your team to let go of. Right? Don't be that guy. I don't think it's the, the, the time for the White Sox to be going in, draft, signing massive-ass free agents who are going to come here and be want, demanding a trade in four years. Right? Because you still ain't ready. Because you gave this dude all your fucking money. That, that to me oh, is, is, is that's old school White Sox ways of doing things and you should avoid doing it. Because maybe Manny Machado is the dude that looks super sexy right now, but in three years, someone else will be that guy. Right. Go get that dude then. I mean, every year is every year's going to be someone Someone's that dude, right? Don't do, like, I don't know. He's a, he's a generational talent, but there are lots of generational talents in the game who are playing for teams that cannot keep them long term. Right? I did want the Cubs to do the Bryce Harper thing. Because I think that outfield could use that Bryce Harper help. But I also understand that they're hamstrung by money they spent. And your, your, your best free agent signing is going to be a healthy Chris Bryant. Right? That's just going to have to be how that is. You know? But the offer they're making to Manny, they're signing his friends. And I feel like those friends ain't going to put you over the hump. He can see those friends anytime he's not playing. Right? And Manny Machado shouldn't come here just because John Jay is in your outfield. Your outfield is better than John Jay now. Like, you didn't need John Jay. What is that? It's like you signed Jack Haley to get Dennis Rodman to sign here. Who would do that? The White Sox would. All right. <laughs> here was your sporty ball thing. Boom. Sporty ball done. Yeah. In politics, fuck Trump. That's pretty much all I got. Yeah. All right. Cool. All right. I'm down. Uh, the only thing I have um, just, to, just to build off fuck Trump, um, the government shutdown thing is fucking with two things that are pertinent. Okay. That, that, well, a lot of things that are pertinent to my life, but sure. two things, um, airline travel and safety. Yep. And food safety and inspection. Yes. Those two things are pretty fundamental, I would think. Yep. Um, to, you know, it, it, they're very close to me. You know, I, I would like to know that. Because hey, you like going to restaurants? I like restaurants. Yep. And I you got, fly. I got flying planned. Sure. And to know that my TSA agent is getting paid, to know that the guy who's supervising the people Fixing the planes and getting paid or didn't come to work today. Do you got to fly any place that takes you longer than five hours to drive? Yes. Oh. Yeah. I changed my and plans. Amtrak, <laughs> and Amtrak doesn't go there. And Amtrak doesn't go. <laughs> but Amtrak being yeah. a government institution too. So I, sure. I don't know. Yeah. So we're, we're doing, so yeah. Um, so what we're waiting on is uh, because of this thing, uh, because it's part of the dictator playbook, um, there will be an emergency. There will be something that actually does happen. There'll be a great fire, a great violent thing. At which point, then that's when we get hit with the with the uh, with the pur- not the purge, uh, the siege, where my man goes, "You don't use the army as a hammer. Yes, you know you don't, no, you don't use it as a scalpel. As a scalpel, use as a hammer. Yeah. Um, where we're going to militarize things, 
and uh, we'll have to we'll have curfew, and it's going to be a great time. So you, you believe the government shutdown will lead to an incident which will lead to martial law, which because that gets the president his, his his expanded powers and declaring of emergencies and such, and he can do whatever he wants. Yes. Hmm. That viable. <clears throat> it may be crazy conspiracy, <clears throat> but it's viable. <clears throat> we were already talking about militarizing the border patrol for to building the army to building a wall. Oh, we're at this point now. And we're at the point where the adults in the room aren't checking him. Come on. Viable. Okay. In the world of anything can happen, yes, it's viable. In the world of likely events, not viable. Because people are still doing their jobs. They're just not getting paid for them. Right? How long is that going to happen? It's going to happen because the people responsible for preventing that kind of stuff from happening are the kind of true believer patriots who will do it without a paycheck. And they're going to do it without a paycheck. They're not going, the FBI and the NSA aren't going to do less. The DOD is funded, right? So like some people are funded. It's a partial shutdown. It's not a complete shutdown. So some people are getting paid. The TSA isn't getting paid. But the TSA not getting paid doesn't mean that you're going to get your pipe bombs on the planes now, right? Like that's not, they're still there and they can still be bitching, but they're still doing their jobs. You, you're not, not going to work. Some people are not, not going to work. Okay. Those people won't have jobs when the government opens up again. <laughs> Maybe not. <laughs> Maybe not. <laughs> There's still things that I suspect have to be like, we'll, we'll be done because they have to get done. You just got back pay coming to you, right? Like, that's how this and works. someone who says there's no one getting back pay. They're wrong. <laughs> people getting paid, you know? Okay. Like, like to, okay. to, if, if Donald Trump tells you there's not going to be any back pay for people not being paid right now, do you believe him? Donald Trump says lots of things that he doesn't know anything about. Very true. Right? He doesn't know anything about anything. But nobody wants to actually say, no, this is what we're going to do and actually make that change because they don't want to embarrass. Shout out to, at the Tur last, shout out to Turtleneck Mitch McConnell. At the last Fuck him too. government shutdown. Which I remember. Did people get paid? This is, this is what I'm saying. They got paid. So eventually, yes. But then that was also a very different atmosphere than it's. No, I'm not saying it isn't, but I'm, I'm saying that they did get paid. It happened. So there's already precedent for how this gets done. You know, he's trying. He's trying to keep it shut because he wants his damn money for his border wall. He ain't getting his border wall. So at some point, at some point, at some point, they can actually pass it without him, right? But they don't want to. No, no, no. Turtleneck doesn't want to. Yes. Because Turtleneck thinks he can get a win out of it, right? Turtleneck's not, he's going to be a, a non-issue at some point. You know, I'm not horribly concerned right now. I'm not. The food safety thing, I think you're right. Like, like, I don't really like hearing that there's no, no one at the wheel. It's a very critical component of American society. Yes, right? the, the wheel is very, I like the but, wheel. But, I, so but I, I do know someone is showing up at the wheel. They're just not being paid to be there, right? Because your job is still your job. So. Your job is still your job, but... If you, you tell got, me the FDA just you, stays closed. You got rent to pay, though. If you, you do. But if you tell me the FDA is, like, literally no one's there, right? That, if you tell me no one's at these various institutions, that's a different issue. But I've not heard that. I've just heard they ain't getting paid, which leads to the specter of they won't do their job if there is no money in it, which I don't really believe they knowing what's on the line would actually do that. I don't believe that some, some, some spot, spotty-ass beef is now going across. <laughs> Yo. Great enemy, buddy. You know, I just don't, I don't think that's a thing. You know, I don't want it to be a thing, but I don't think it's a thing. Okay. You know, so you're hoping. I mean, 
Look, man, I because just passed two kidney stones over the because, weekend. Okay. I, I have, you know, I've been through some shit already. Bring it. I've been like, through some shit. I don't want to be through no shit, man. I don't want to go through no shit. I don't want to. When, when the shit jumps off, call me. I will talk you through it. Here's how we do it. First, Ooh. grab the, just you just grab grab the wheel, grab the wheel, Troy. Pull back on the step. Pull back. Ease up on the ailerons. <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> I help you out. You know, when it becomes Lord of the Flies, I got you. You know, I watch a lot of survival shows <laughs> and a lot of shows on how to repair cars from like from big old rust buckets. And sh- I know a lot of things about a lot of things I didn't think I would ever know at this age in my life. You know. All right. Next time, next time we will talk about all these damn crazy ass shows that I watch and how to fix what, and we'll do a thing. Oh, okay. All right. I think we might be at the end. Yeah, that's it. Yeah. All right, America. Yes. This has been another episode Inter- of international. International. We international. Oh yeah, we are international. America and lands beyond, like the UK and Canada. Boom. Um, because I'm guessing there's probably a Canadian out there too. Canadian yes. or two. Yeah. Holler at my bat, my man Al, my man Al, holding down in Peg City. Winnipeg, Manitoba. Oh, hell, is a Canada. All right, look at that. Ha! Look at that. That's awesome. So, it's been another episode of Stakes is High. Hey! Black Nerd Podcast. Ladies and gentlemen, I've been Troy Hunter, a.k.a. Al Tall Black Guy, a.k.a. Ill Gates. Not, probably now, the richest man in the world. <laughs> Shout out to Jeff Bezos. <laughs> Get your divorce on, dog. <laughs> Shit is real. I am Terry Gant, a.k.a. Doc Midnight. AKA at 3RD Coast Comics, AKA Dread, Thread, Dread October, Thread October. Thread October. That's my, that's my, my clothing line. That's, no, that's <laughs> it. When you, when you crochet, that's how you get down. If I could, if I could, my new Etsy store, Thread October. <laughs> Yo. Word up to the Color Nerd Massive. We're going to highlight y'all. The next episode, we're going to try to do... No, you know what? We ain't going to promise. We, we can't say it. when we're going to do it because, like, the holidays did become a thing and then I got sick. So, but now I'm better. So, we can see. Maybe we can... When we're crate digging, maybe we can record. When we come to the crib. When we come through the, we come through the lab. <laughs> the studio. When I fall through. When I fall through the cave. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you for listening. Thank you for watching. We're I'm going to bring, it, I'm bring, it, I'm bring a William Shakespeare head that can, like, flip open. Like... You know, like, like I know day. what you're talking about for what? For like, is crib. there a button in there? Like, yeah, man. This is, this is how you get in the lab. What is the button? Oh, Jesus. That's how we do it. Okay. I'm ready. Let's do this, Robin. If you stay ready. Thank you for listening. If you stay ready, you ain't got to get ready. Word. How about y'all? And save that shit. <laughs>